Right. Thought you were going to start preaching there for a second. This is like, I'm going to have to go up there and sing if he keeps that up. Which is kind of a dangerous thing. I just uh, add to what Logan said, which I think was really good. Um, we talk about the Father's house, and you know, we kind of get this idea that the church is, is you know, the Father's house. And actually, what Scripture says is that um, this is the Father's house. If we have placed our faith in Christ, God the Holy Spirit indwells us, and so therefore we kind of walk around life as the Father's house. And what's cool about that is this. I think sometimes we think, oh man, i got to get to church on Sunday so I can have a spiritual experience, you know. So I can, only spiritual things happen when I'm in that building. And really that's not the case. Spiritual things should be happening day in, day out in our lives. And because God resides in us through God the Holy Spirit. And um, so learning can happen outside of the building. Um, certainly serving can happen outside the building. Um, worship is what our lives are. Um, we don't come here to worship. Our lives are worship. Um, but then we join together to worship as a church family. Let me go ahead and pray, uh, only because I just there's some concepts here today that um, can be a little mind-blowing. And, uh, and so sometimes we, we kind of, once it gets a little difficult, we kind of like, oh boy, oh, who's playing today? Uh, let's see, uh, Detroit's probably playing, but, well... Who cares about that? Anyways, we started getting a little distracted. So let me, um, let me go ahead and pray and see if we just kind of focus our minds in. Heavenly Father, we've uh, worshipped you through fellowship. We've worshipped you um, through singing. Uh, we're worshipping you through serving, not just in this room, but also in the other parts of the building. We worship you, worship you with communion. And now we're worshipping you by looking into your word. And Lord, we want to understand uh, what you have to say for us. We want to know you. We want to become more like you. And so, Lord, today I pray that as um, we go through these passages and this topic of your sovereign will, that uh, your Holy Spirit would give me clear thoughts and clear words, and that our hearts and our minds would be opened. And that we would go ahead and take what we're hearing and look at our life and say, okay, where is this? play out in my life. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. So have you ever wondered, what's God's will for my life? Have you ever asked that question? I know as a kid, I was asking that question, you know, early on even, what's, what's God's will for my life? Usually it had to do with a job, right? So as I was a kid, I was thinking, yeah, I'd like to be a carpenter, but I'm also thinking maybe I should be a pastor. And then I was also thinking about being an accountant, no idea why I thought that. I just had a thought in my head. Uh, Someone even said that. You, you were thinking those three things? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, again, I was asking God, what's your will? What do, you, what do you want for my life? Or maybe it has to do with, you know, who should I marry? And I dated a, a couple um, girls before Kim and I got married. And um, I mean, not while I was engaged. Or just stop those thoughts. I was, you know, I was engaged to her. It was just her and me. And then we got married. You know, anyways. You know, is, oh, is this the right one? Is, is, is this the right one? I mean, after all, she's got kind of a cool car, so maybe she's the right one. And, um, <clears throat> so maybe you had those thoughts. Or maybe it was, uh, you know, what school should I go to? Uh, what college should I go to? Or maybe you're thinking, man, do I go to college or do I go to a trade school? Which, by the way, FYI, thinking trade school anymore, right? I mean, you got that skill the rest of your life. Um, 
you know, so maybe it's that or, uh, you know, do I buy this house or that house or that car or that car? Do I move? Do I move across the country? <laughs> Kim and I did that uh, several, several times. Um, we had to get away from the cops, but that's fine. They don't know we're here now. So, um, witness protection program. Uh, or maybe you've had this question, did I miss God's will? Oh, did I marry the wrong person? Or did I take the wrong job, go into the wrong career, make the wrong move? <laughs> Some of you guys know our story. And when we left Fremont back in the early 2000s and moved out to Colorado, I, there was a specific moment in time sitting in our bedroom. Kim's at work, and I was working for myself at the time as remodeling and stuff, and I didn't have any job that day. So I was sitting here spending time with God, and the thought hit me, I just stepped out of God's will. Like a voice was telling me that. I mean, not that there was hearing, I was hearing voices or visions, but I can remember that, that sense of dread sitting there. I mean, like right now, if I was an artist, I could paint that for you. I could, I could show you exactly in the room where I was sitting. And, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but that, that's scary. This issue of God's will has really confused people, has really, um, even in some cases, hurt people because they've decided to make decisions based off of wrong information about God's will or what they understood to be God's will. Does God even have a will for me? You know, that, that's, some people are like, no, there's no will there. It's just, he created us and now he's off doing other things. Deism would teach that, by the way. So the, these are big questions, and we want to, over the next several weeks, deal with this issue of, of God's will and God's will in our life. Theologians have broken down God's will into a bunch of different aspects, and they got big words for it. And some, you know, some theologians say this, give this word as a you know, definition. It's kind of confusing. So what we're going to do is we want to look at two of the basic ways of describing the will of God, okay? And so there's the, the sovereign will of God, and there's another aspect is what we call his moral will. And so the, the sovereign will, which we're going to be talking about this week, are the decrees and commands God makes concerning his creation and purposes that will be carried out no matter what we do. In other words, they're going to happen. God has determined certain things are going to happen, and they're going to happen. All uh, were in his mind before he created the world, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Like this morning, you have to be able to get to the point where you're thinking, okay, what was life like before there was life? What was it like before there was everything we see? Because this had to come from something, right? Right? I mean, something had to start this. And so it could either be uh, eternal gases that were floating around in something. I mean, could be that. And then something happened that there was an explosion of those gases. So something that was also eternal that hadn't been with those gases interacted with those gases to cause the explosion to bring about some, some happen chance situation. Here we are. That's the case. Leave here and go do whatever you want to do, whatever feels good, um, because 
Evolution says it's survival of the fit. So do and get other people around you who want to do what you want to do because that way you can be more secure in keeping other people from stopping you from doing what you want to do. Which is why we have the world we have today, by the way, because everyone thinks we were a happen chance. And so whoever has the most power has the authority. I mean, that's what's happening today. Or you can think aliens. Now, you, you might laugh at that, but Stephen Hawking, who's the, the greatest physical, uh, theoretical phys physicist, I heard to say, he's passed away now, but he said, and NASA is you know, shooting out to find aliens Find out how we got here. And Stephen Hawking says don't do that because it would be kind of like what happened when Columbus discovered the Americas. Uh, they'll come and kill us. And so don't do that. Or it's God. And so that's why we're talking about God this morning because we believe it's God. So he has his so the sovereign will that he's decreed and the purposes. And then there's a moral will. We'll look at that next week. And those are the commands that God gives us for how we're supposed to live life that we have a say in because we can obey or we can disobey. He's given us the choice to do that. Some, uh, I read some, uh, this week where um, one theologian was saying, technically we don't have free will. And we talk about, oh, free will, it's important to have free will. Technically now we don't have free will. Adam and Eve did. We don't. We're either going to obey sin or we're going to obey God. And I thought that's an interesting way of kind of looking at it, but that's not what we're talking about so much this morning. So today we want to talk about God's sovereign will and then how it impacts our life today. But we, before we can talk about God's will for our lives, we have to understand that he is sovereign, which is a big word, 30, about $30 word you can impress your friends and family with. And in me, it's, it's, we're going to look at that because if God's not sovereign, which will explain what it is, then, um, then he can't accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish. But if he is sovereign, then he can. So we're going to break that down. Um, so the fact that he's sovereign, what does that mean? So let's go to this first slide here. So first of all, the fact that God is sovereign, it comes from the fact that he is creator of all things. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So prior to the heavens and the earth being created, it was just God. Just God existing. All right? He himself and himself it was God. Nothing created him. It was him alone. He created all things. Everything we see, everything we don't see, the spiritual world, everything we've discovered so far, and everything we're continuing to discover. If you've looked on NASA's website and the fact they're going further and further out into the universe and finding more and more stars and moons and planets and black holes and all that kind of stuff. They're finding more. God created that. It's, we're just discovering it now. But here's the thing. He didn't just create those things. He didn't just create you and me. See, like if you were to come to my house, um, I could show you some things that I've created. I've taken wood and glue and a lot of caulk, and, uh, and I, I put things together and be like, wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, it's all caulks. Well, you know, I hide all those mistakes with cock. But you'd be like, wow, that's beautiful. You really created something nice. The difference is I have materials that I'm using. God created the materials by which he created 
So what you and I are made of, God created that to make you and me. So nothing existed without God first saying so. He designed the laws, the processes, the mechanisms through which all of this operates, the stars being where they're at. He placed them in the sky, Scripture says. He knows them by name. He's named them. It's interesting, we also name them. You can actually used to be able to buy a star, which is pretty cool, you know. I got six. Anyways, um, Anyways, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm giving, sending the place money too so they continue to take care of my star for me. But anyways, he, he, he's put it all in place. It's stars, I mean, if you looked at the planets, they're all spaced in such a way and the sizes are such a way that whatever space junk might be coming Earth's way is going to be deflected. The sun is tilted. The Earth is tilted. Things are, I mean, it's all designed in a special way to protect this little earth. It's very tiny. And he continues to personally maintain it. Colossians 1. We talked about this back in our, our series through Colossians. It says, For by him, talking about God the Son, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and in- invisible, whether human or angelic thrones, dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. They continually stay together. The laws continue to happen. The tides roll out, and the tides roll in. The sun comes up, and the sun goes down. The moon comes up, and the moon goes down. The winds blow, the rains come. It's all it's part of the process. Jesus is making sure, because God the Son is now Jesus, so he's making sure that all that is operating continuing, you and me being held together, not bursting apart. It's God the Son holding us together. And so as a self-existing creator, he is sovereign, meaning he has the power, the wisdom, and the authority, the right to do anything he chooses with his creation. He is the only one who has the right to do anything with his creation, whatever he chooses, I don't have a right to my body. God does. I mean, that's what he's saying. Americans, we love our rights. We have the Bill of Rights. And I'm not knocking the Bill of Rights. The rights are good. They're being kind of taken away from us nowadays and being manipulated away from us and being pressured away, you know. But like, if you were to come to my house... And you were to see some of the possessions I have, or you'd be see the, the things that I've built, or whatever. And and you were to walk in, and you notice that you know, Harold, you have a, you know, a car that could probably use a good washing. You need to get in there and vacuum the seats and the, the carpeting, and and I mean, that's fine. You can you can like the fact that my car is dirty, or dislike the fact that my car is dirty. But the car is mine, and so I choose what I'm going to do with it. And I'm fine with whatever you choose to do with your vehicles or your possessions. Because they're yours. It's your right to do with them what you want. And what I have is my right to do with what I want to do with it. But when it comes to God, even more so, God, who is the one who created all that we are, all that we have, 
has the right to do what he wants to do with his possessions. That includes you and me. We are his. He has created us. Isaiah 29, 16 says this. God's speaking to Isaiah the prophet. He says, shall the potter, and now he's using an illustration here, so the, the potter is God, be considered as equal with the clay, which are the humans. Now, some of you guys have done uh, clay, you know, working with clay, right? I'm not a person, but clay. And so you worked it on the wheel, or you formed it or whatever. Can you imagine if the clay said to you, hey, don't, don't spin me that way. I don't want to be that tall. I want to be shorter. I want to be a little bit wider. I don't want to, I don't want to be a bowl. I want to be a dish. We'd be like, number one, <laughs> clay's talking to me. That'd be a little bit, you know, weird. But that's what God's saying. That what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me. But what does form say to him who formed it? He has no understanding. We can't go to God and say, hey, you, you made a mistake when you created me this way. You did, you did wrong. You can't tell me how to live my life and do the life I want to do. Again, it seems kind of crazy, kind of weird. If a clay piece of clay was going to tell the potter that, it's the same situation. Jeremiah talks about this. Romans talks about it. It comes from a little bit of a different angle, but it's all about the fact that God's created us. You can like this or you can dislike this. But the fact that this is God's sovereign will, sorry. (laughs) It is what it is. It's the truth of the matter. It's the situation that we live under. God is our creator. And as our creator, he can do whatever he wants. As the sovereign one then, he's decreed certain things to take place, to happen. This would be then his sovereign will. Now, ultimately, uh, everything that happens is God's sovereign will, right? Because back here, before you ever created, just God being himself and existing in himself, nothing else happening but God, so no time, no not, it's just God, he had a plan, a desire, a will, to create. And so everything was already in his mind. Everything was in his understanding. For instance, God knew that when he created, he would first create angels. And so he knew he was going to create an angel called Lucifer. He was going to give Lucifer the option of whether to serve him or not. Lucifer says, no, I think I'll choose myself. Thank you very much. I'll be the God of my life. And so Lucifer becomes Satan, and he knew that a third, exactly a third of the angels would follow Satan. He knew that before he ever created. Get this. This is huge, you guys. He knew it would happen, and he did it anyways. And then he said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create another form uh, that I could have, in a sense, a relationship with, because he doesn't do this with the animals but he did it kind of like with angels, which is kind of weird. We don't know a whole lot, a lot about, but he created what he calls human beings. Man, mankind. He created knowing that he would make two of them perfect, and then he would give them a choice saying, hey, you guys can choose me or choose yourself. And he knew that he w- they would choose themselves. 
that giving them free will would cause them to just choose them over God. Which means, he actually tells us in in Genesis 3, kind of alludes to this, which means then that before he ever created, when it was just God, he knew that when he created, there would be a point in time where God the Son, because we know now from Scripture that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, that God the Son would put on flesh and die a horrific death for those humans who didn't want to do it God's way. He knew that. Created anyways. Then he knew that some wouldn't accept his offer of God the Son dying on the cross. And that they would still be in their sin because that came down from Adam and Eve. So they were born sinners. They lived in sin. They disobeyed God throughout their lives. They didn't accept God's offer of forgiveness through faith in Christ. That then he would have to judge them in hell for eternity because that's where Satan was going to be going and that's where his angels that followed him were going to be going. That's their eternal judgment. Why? Because that's God's plan. We can't tell him to not have that plan. Why? Because he's creator. He doesn't have to tell us everything and why he has to do everything he does, but he, he told us that. And so way back then, he knew he was going to have to judge some of them. Not that it makes him happy, but that's what he's going to have to do. Then he knew that the creation that he created, we'd also eventually destroy. Wipe it out. Gone. No more. This earth, gone. But then he would create a new heavens and a new earth where all those who chose to take his offer of salvation would spend eternity with him. All the way back there. And it was in his mind. That's what was going to happen. And he created anyways. I don't know. If I was him, and I had the ability to create, and I was already in perfect relationship with myself, because that's what he is, he's in perfect relationship with himself, and he doesn't need to create, he doesn't need to go through all that hassle, he doesn't need to put up with so many frustrating people I wouldn't do it. I'd just take the easy way out. See, nothing that occurs is something that's new or previously unknown to God. Hear that. Nothing is new to Him. Nothing is previously unknown. He knows all things. He even knows all things that are possible. So if you decide to make a decision that's wrong... That'll impact yourself and all you know, people and situations and blah, 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 all the way out. He knows all of that. But if you decide to do the good thing, he knows what's going to do for you and the people that are that may impact and blah, 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 all the way out. He knows that as well. And he knows all the decisions all the way out. He knows a lot of blah, 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 blah. To summarize, everything that can happen, everything that could possibly happen, God knows. He doesn't learn anything. We can't teach him anything. In fact, everything we know, he already knew and gave us the ability to know. It includes both things that he actively does and allows, including evil. God is not evil. 
He can't do evil. He can't sin. It's not in his character. You may wish he could, but he can't. Why? Because God is the one who started it all. That's who he is. We can't change him. We can't redefine him. He is who he is. You see what I'm telling you? This is kind of mind-blowing when you start... I'm starting to get tongue-tied up here. He can't do evil. But here's the other thing you guys catch. He can take evil and use it for his good. He can take evil, whether you've committed it or somebody else has committed it on you, he can take it and he can work it for his good, which we'll talk about in a bit. God didn't make Job. God didn't kill Job's children. God, if you if Job, Old Testament story, the guy who loses his children, they die in a um, storm. He loses all of his animals, and then he loses his health. He doesn't die, but he loses his health. Satan said, God, I think he will reject you if I do that. And God said, you can't take his life, but feel free. I'm allowing the bad to happen to him. Why? Because God had something that he needed to, to reveal to Job about who God is. He, he needed Job to understand who God was and what that means for Job. But it also his friends needed to know that, and we needed to know that. That's why it was written in the Bible, so we could read it and understand it. So what's your struggle? Where are, you, where are you frustrated? Where are you irritated? Where, where are you got looking, at, looking at your life and going, why is it this way? I don't like this. Where is that? Your marriage? Is your spouse driving you nuts? Maybe it's your children, whether they're little kids or even adults. I think it's harder when the kids are adults. Are they driving you nuts? They're not doing it right. If they would just listen to me, everything would be better for them. Because I know. Stop laughing, Sarah. <laughs> See her bag just busting. Because she. Anyway. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your work situation. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your co workers. I don't know. Where are you frustrated? Put your hand down, Logan. Jeez. And he gave it kind of like, a, yes, Lord. <laughs> Listen, way back then, God knew he would create, boom, 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 and you would be where you're at. God knew. God cares. God's working in that. There's a reason why. Even if it was your decision to get there, there's a reason why he allowed it to happen. This is good stuff. This is exciting stuff. This should be, be going, it should take a huge load off of our shoulders, realizing, oh, okay, God's in this. He's doing this to accomplish his will, his purpose in your life, not your will. Not your purposes, not my will, not my purposes. I think if, if Kim would just be boom, 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 man, our marriage would be great. Now she's 95% of that, but whatever, I'm just using an excuse. She has a few more things. She's probably thinking, if Harold would just do boom, 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 then our marriage would be great. 
My, our marriage, how we define it, is not how we should be building our marriage. It's how God defines it. It's the same thing with my work. Here, even as a pastor. Not what I define, but what God defines. My children. Not what I think for my children, what God thinks for my children. Not my children looking at me going, oh, she was a better dad. No, what God says. It, it's always what God's doing, what God's purpose is. So what's that purpose? What's, what's his will in my struggle? There's two things. First one comes out of Isaiah 43. It says this, Everyone who is called by my name, God's talking here to Isaiah, everyone who is called by my name and everyone whom I have created, look at this, put your name in there if you want, created for my glory, whom I have formed, even I have made. You realize? This is awesome. You guys and, and me and everybody that God created was ultimately for his glory. His glory. Isn't that a great Christianese word? Everyone's like, yes, glory. What does it mean? It means to reveal himself. That, that he, he created us to reveal who he is to us and through us to other people. He created us to reveal himself to us. He created us like himself so that we could know who he is. Animals don't know God personally. Look what Genesis 1 says. Then God said, let us. Whoop! What did God just reveal? In verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, verse chapter of the Bible, God reveals to us that he's plural. Wait, wait I thought you said he was one God. Yeah, I know, right? Blow your mind. God is one God. But as we see through Scripture, he's revealing himself to us as God the Father, God the Son, who became Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons unified as one. And, and he just did that through the Hebrew word, us. Pretty cool. So let us make man in our image, in other words, with personhood, according to our likeness, as relational beings, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So like him, he creates all this, he's maintaining all this, and like him, we get to maintain it too on his behalf as he works through us. That's our responsibility, to maintain what he's given us. God created man in his own image. And if you didn't quite understand that, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, we learned something else. There's only two genders, and he created them. God is a personal being who has created us to be personal beings so that we can have a personal relationship with him. Again, animals can't do this. And, and something, that, how he did things a little bit different with the angels and the demons. They can't, he's never, the demons are never going to be able to be forgiven. But it, humans are. Again, we don't know why he did that, but he did that. Remember back Colossians 16, 1.16 that we talked about. 
It says, all things have been created through him and for him. You and I have been created by God for him. Not him for us. Because then he becomes a genie. Then we could tell him what to do. No, he's the creator. He tells us what to do. But what he has for us is the best. Why? Because he knows the laws and the systems and the mechanisms that he put into place, not just for creation that we see, but for life, decision-making. Creation reveals his attributes, his character, his abilities, his heart, as those created in his image. He reveals who he is, that he's relational, that he has emotion. We have emotions, so does he. He created us that way. We have intellect. We can think. We can reason. We can develop. We can build. Yeah, why? Because God made us that way, because we're like him that way. We're not gods. We're not going to be gods. We're not going to be perfect in that sense. I always got to say that. Our life circumstances allow him to reveal who he is, what his promises are. If we're not going through difficult times, we'll never care about the promises that God gives us. Promises are usually in relationship to the difficulties that we're going through. And so he reveals himself to us and that, his, that he is true to his word. And when he says, I'm going to do this, and when we do that, he does what he says he's going to do. And then our responses, if we'd, especially if we do it his way, reveal to other people who this God is that we say we worship. And hopefully draw them to him for salvation. The other major aspect of his sovereign will is this. It comes out of Ephesians 1. So not only does he want to reveal who he is to us, show himself to us, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So those, those of us who place our faith in Christ, there's every spiritual blessing, which is a whole other sermon. Just as he chose us, in him when? Before the foundation of the world. Since that's over there is kind of the before, right? So before he ever created that we would be holy, live for his purposes, and blameless. In other words, no one could accuse us of sin. So when we place our faith in Christ, right? He forgives our sins. And so then nobody can come to him saying, ah, Harold's a sinner. He goes, no, 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 no. Because I died for that sin. Go to the next one. In love, he predestined us, which means decided beforehand, to adoption as sons or children through Jesus Christ himself according to the kind intention of his sovereign will. Why? For what purpose? Why did he do this? To the praise of the glory. In other words, revealing of his grace, the salvation which he freely bestowed on us in his beloved with Jesus Christ. He didn't do it because I'm such an awesome guy or that you guys are such awesome people. He did it for the praise of his glory. That we would go, man, God's grace is unbelievable. God is unbelievable for his glory. And this is where it hits home. Why does all this matter? We're going to walk out of here in another hour or three. So what, what does it matter when we get out of here? How is it going to impact? The first is this. There's a good chance that some of you in this room don't know him personally. You're still on that trying to figure out, is it evolution, is it aliens, or is it God? And, I mean, you're still like, you know, my life is, is unbelievable. If I could just tell you about my life, you wouldn't believe it. And I always tell people, believe me, I've, 
I've gone through life, I'm getting older, and I've had some experiences, and I've talked to a lot of people and walked with a lot of people who have had a lot of experiences. So far, to this point, nothing surprised me. I get it. Life is a mess. But right now, you're going through it alone. And so for you, you need to experience God's sovereign will and let him adopt you into his family. That he would be your father. That he would be the one who protects you and provides for you and cares for you. See, God designed you for that. There's there's a reason why you're not a dog. Or a cat, thank goodness. Or, Or any other animal. Or a plant. He's designed you to have a relationship with him. That's his sovereign will that he declared before he ever began creating. Which, by the way, he just spoke it. Like he wasn't over it like in a kiln, you know, making material on it. It's just, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. Anyways, moving on. God's not just saving you from hell. He wants your life. He wants to be there for you. He wants to be the one helping you through life, learning and understanding and experiencing the purpose that he has for you. And for those of us who are Christians, those of us who already had that relationship, we've already been adopted into God's family through faith in Christ. Look at these words. These are very, very familiar. If you've been any part of our church family for any length of time, Romans 8, 28, 29. He says this, Paul's talking, he says, and we know, in other words, it's a well-known fact based on experience. Paul's saying, I've seen this, and you've seen this. God does this all the time. That God causes all things, all things, even evil things, to work together, in other words, God's sovereign will, for good. For who? To those who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. So what's the purpose that you and I have been called into a relationship with God for. Why Why has he done this? For those whom he foreknew, he chose beforehand, he also predestined, decided beforehand, to become conformed, which means to be similar in nature or form, to the image of his Son. If you came to Christ for any other... No, if you came to Christ because you wanted to get out of hell, that's great, awesome... But understand this, God saved you, but in his mind, no, is he saved you so that you and I would look like Jesus. That we would respond like Jesus, that we would think like Jesus. And so, well, let me ask you this. When you hear the word being conformed to Jesus, uh, we, we say it that way. We also say it around here, um, you know, uh, represent Christ, or we'll say um, doing life God's way, whatever, however we phrase it. We're basically saying being conformed to the image of Christ. Which, which Jesus do you picture? See, when I was growing up, this hung in our home. It also hung in our church, which was kind of weird. Um, it was, I guess, hanging all over Chicago. I don't know. But it, we, got, we got this Jesus, and when it said, be conformed to the image of Christ, we're all like, yes, Jesus. Ah. I mean, look at him. 
looking off. I was looking at some movies this week about Jesus movies and stuff, especially the older ones are hilarious, by the way. But you have, you have this Jesus who's he's almost like floating. Yes, yes, brother, sister. It's just like, oh my word, I wouldn't want to follow that guy anywhere. Jeez, probably makes tofu. Anyways, <laughs> not in my notes, don't know where that came from. Sorry if you like tofu. So sorry. Or does that come to mind? When, when God says, be conformed to the image of Christ, that's what he's talking about. And some of you are like, I don't want any of that. No, that's where it's at. That's becoming like Jesus. So what's your struggle? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your parents? Is it your work situation? Is it your boss? Is it your neighbor? Is it your health situation? Is it your... You know, financial situation, I don't know. We all have something, right? We're all frustrated because God isn't doing things the way we want him to do. He says, exactly, I don't want to keep doing it your way. (laughs) I saved you from that. See, there's pain involved. Being disciplined, disciplining ourselves, there's pain. We hate it, but there is. Our, Our prayer needs to be, Father, do what you want in me through this situation for me to learn about you who you are. With my spouse the way she is, my kids the way they are, my parents the way they are, my work situation, whatever the issue is, Lord, help me to know who you are through that situation. Why? Because all the way back there, before he ever created, he knew you'd be right where you're at. And he's allowing it because he has a sovereign will. He's the one who controls all this and allows all this. And he says, I want to show you who I am. I want you to know me. And this situation is the best thing for you to learn about me. And our, our prayer needs to be, what needs to change in me to be more like Jesus? Because where we're at, he has us there. Because in that situation, We need to learn what it means to live like Jesus in relationship to whoever it is or whatever it is we're frustrated about. We want God to change everybody else. He wants to change us. Us. He'll deal with everybody else. We think we'll be happy if our spouse would just become who we think they are. No. You will be miserable. Why? Because you're miserable now. Right? I mean, the decisions that we make outside of God, those are sin. I mean, just cold hard truth. When we do life our way, it's sin. That's what sin is. And we know from Romans 8 that sin, self, flesh, kills. You want to do it God's way because in that is the best way to do life. Your best life now, as some people would say. Your best life now is not you doing life your way. Your best life now is doing life God's way. 
Whether your spouse, your kids, your parents, anybody else ever does anything other than that, your best life is you doing it God's way in the midst of that situation. No matter how hard and hurtful it is. Why? Because God's in that. You you came to Christ because of the Christ on the right-hand side. Because you knew that you didn't deserve to be saved. You didn't deserve to be loved by God. But he knew that would be the case, and he still came, and he still died for you. Change always involves pain at one level or another. Imagine if Jesus didn't come. Imagine if Jesus said, that's too hard. I'm bailing on this. Every command in the New Testament, in the New Testament letters, is connected to what Jesus did on the cross. God's always telling us, hey, listen, I'm telling you to do something. It's for your best. You may not like it. It may even hurt a little bit. But by the way, I hung on the cross for you. Believe me, it'll work out. It worked out for you being saved. So it'll work out. Trust me. Let me show you how good I am. Rick Thomas, uh, he's a Christian counselor. He's up on the internet and that kind of stuff. I, walk, I read his stuff from time to time. Uh, he says, the Christian life is God inviting us into his story that is coming true. We're not inviting him into our story, hoping he will make our stories come true. All the way back there, God created and started a story. And it's going to go on into eternity and a new heaven and a new earth. All of this is about him and what he's doing in and through you and me for more and more people to be in that new heaven and new earth. So what are our takeaways? First one is this. For some of you, this is the moment and time where you need to let God demonstrate his sovereign will and adopt you into his family. And it's just you having a conversation with God saying, I want you to be my father. Forgive me of my sins. And I'm trusting what you said, that Jesus died for my sins. And if you do that, God tells us in his word, he will forgive you of your sins. He will bring God the Holy Spirit into your life, who gives you spiritual life. And that adopts you into his family. And that's guaranteed for eternity. And while you're here on earth, he's your father. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to fight for you. He's going to give you all that you need to do life his way. No longer your way, but his way. And that can happen right here, right now, just your heart to God's heart. We all pray to God, right? Some of us, oh Lord, help me. I mean, as far as we get for some. And if you have that conversation with God, if you've made a decision before, you're already adopted in. But if you're making that decision today, he'll adopt you. And I would love to know about it. You don't have to do this, but I would love to know about it. Just put your name on one of those connect cards and on the back say, I trusted in Christ today for my salvation. Mark that. 
And I'll be praying for you. If you give me your contact information, I'll get a hold of you. I'll send you some, just some stuff you can read to kind of help you understand that a little bit better. Or catch me out in the lobby. That would even be awesomer. The second one is this. If you're already a Christian, you've already placed your faith in Christ, you're adopted into God's family, then ask God to change you. You can pray for your spouse, you can pray for your kids, you can pray for you know, parents, you can pray, 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 pray. But start with yourself and ask God, help me to know who you are in the situation I'm in right now and then help me to know how you want to change me so I can work with you on that. Team up and allow you to change me through that situation because God's allowing you to be in that situation for that purpose. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, you're, you're too big for our minds in some cases, and that's good. We, we need to be blown away by you and not to fully understand you. But Lord, thank you for giving us the information that we can have, that we can know you personally, that we can have you in our life, that we have you providing for us, protecting us, that you want to reveal who you are to us. You want us to see you operate in our lives. You love us. You care about us. You created us. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to join with you and allow you to change us. For those, Lord, who may have given her life to Christ. I pray that you would just continue to confirm that in their hearts. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for coming.